Our first sacred scripture this morning can be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. You'll find that on page 169 in the New Testament section of the Pew Bible. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And our second reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, on page 41 in the New Testament. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, It is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And that ends the sacred text this morning. Thanks, Lisa. I love to tell the story, that great old hymn. And boy, do we have a story today. The story of the transfiguration. This is the normal Sunday in the cycle of the year that comes right before we begin the Lenten season. This glorious story, um, blazing white. That's why I'm wearing white today. Um, And Peter, James, and John are up there on this mountain with Jesus and have this amazing experience. But what would their story be? How would they tell the story? You know, the Bible is really a book, or many books, helping point us to what is real, to what is true, to what is really happening versus what seems to be happening. Of course, filled with story, everyone's going to hear something different in the different stories. The the most traditional kind of notion out of the transfiguration story is you notice in the story 
the uh, appearances of Moses and Elijah, revered in the Jewish faith. Uh, and to many, Jesus was considered to be the next one in line to inherit from them. But this story ends with them all of a sudden being gone and the disciples there, Peter, James, and John, being alone with Jesus. So we could go down the, the theological track of this is the Gospels helping us understand that Jesus isn't just another in the line of the revered and kind of ordinary prophets, but this is a leader and a prophet and a teacher and something more, something really special. That's not really where I want to focus today. I'm really curious how Peter, James, and John might have told this story. And, okay, tell me how many of you believe this. How many of you have been told in your life, okay, I'm going to tell you this, but you can't tell anybody until I die? Anybody ever told you anything like that? Yeah. Come on. Everyone tells at least one person, right? Right? That's pretty hard with something. Can you imagine they came down from this experience and they didn't say anything to anybody? I think they did. So I'd like to imagine before things got more formalized later, what were they whispering to others? Who they trusted to also hold us in confidence? What story were they telling about what really happened up there on the mountain? Now, so you can think as you sing that hymn, I love to tell the story. It's a song about telling the story about our experience with being a follower of Jesus. So I love to tell the story. People love to sing that song. But what story do you tell? I went to a uh, conference in Spokane recently. It was a wonderful conference called Values in Action. And um, one of the speakers had us do this little exercise and says, Okay, I don't want you to think about it now because it's only a first draft. But what would be the first sentence of the story of your life? What would be the first sentence of the story of your life? Now, one thing for us as followers of Jesus is to ask, would that first sentence include Jesus? Would include something about our faith? It's maybe centrality in our life? Or, or would we start somewhere else? Where would we start? In the Corinthians reading today, I just kept coming back to it. I'm fascinated by this second verse. It's actually the fourth verse of 2 Corinthians 4. Um, but the second verse that Lisa read of that passage. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers. The God, and it's not capitalized, not the God the God. It's what we make a God. Right? Where I even like to use it as plural because I think we do it with many things. We make many things the gods of our life and forget 
the transforming nature of following this God who is love, this one who we follow through Jesus who showed us the way. And I put that together with the transfiguration because I think it's transformative experiences like Peter, James, and John had that didn't suddenly change their life. You know, we read lots, especially about Peter, but all the disciples and how even after they got it, then the next day they'd forget or they'd get afraid or they would deny that they knew Jesus or, or whatever, right? So these transfiguring experiences, this, this transformative moment that they had with Jesus where they were called in a dramatic way to understand more deeply who this Jesus was. Um, it didn't change them always overnight. But I bet you, if they were writing the first sentence of the story of their life, well, maybe it wouldn't be in the first sentence, maybe the resurrection would be, but it would be right up there near the top because it's one of those moments that changes everything about how you see reality. And it, in a sense, unseats all the gods we make of our life. You know, some people make having money and possessions into a god. But a lot of people who, who, who aren't that way necessarily, we still make control of our little world the god of our life. And we close ourselves off from the dramatic experience of the infinite love of God that can happen and shows forth in the brightness of the light and the transfiguration that we hear about today. So, I don't know if you believe, you know, I mean, a lot of people debate these things. Do you think this literally happened? I don't, I don't even think that matters. I think what matters is understanding that Peter, James, and John had an amazingly overwhelming, transformative experience that became the center of the story of how they understood who they were, understood what their future was about, understood who Jesus was, understood the reality of God in this world, understood what was true versus what is not true, understood the difference between the gods that we make and the God who is the infinite reality of love in our midst and all around us forever and ever. So I hope in the Transfiguration story that you will take time as we enter into the Lenten season, hopefully coming with uh, Judith on Wednesday night. She doesn't get a chance to be here very much with us, so I hope you're going to join, join her on Wednesday at 6.30 for the beginning of Lent and with Ash Wednesday, which is a reflective time. It's a time to consider that story of our life. It's a time to consider what is that story of who I am and where do the gods fit in and where does God fit in? Where does being a follower of Jesus fit in to the story of my life? And have I had transformative experiences that maybe I forgot about? They happened a while ago and I was telling everybody the story for a while, but now I've forgotten about it. What were some of those transformative moments in your life where you could turn and with brilliance see clearly who you were, what God's love is about, 
was freely possible for you and for all of us in this universe. Lent is a time to bring those stories back and to love to tell those stories and to have those stories have power in our life again. But it's also a time to look at how we've forgotten to pay attention. And we pay attention to other things like our own security. And we're missing some of the other opportunities for transformative moments, transformative stories that can transfigure us, frankly, to being more of what God knows we can be from the moment of creation. So I invite you to love to tell the stories, but love to be open to new stories. Love to be taken yourself to the mountaintop, to see like you've never seen before, to come down from the mountaintop and to be changed and to be restored in your hope. I think in the chaos times that we live in today, we sometimes think we're stuck, that there's not a new possibility. And maybe Peter, James, and John had a little of that feeling in their own life. I'm sure things were kind of crazy for them. But they came down from that mountain and they knew so much more than they had imagined before of what was possible and what the reality of God and God's love is in our midst. And at least for a time, they broke out of their little thinking into big thinking. And that's the call for all of us. Be inspired today by this transfiguration story. Be open to being changed anew as followers of Jesus. Become more aware of the little gods of your own life that some days give you satisfaction and security but ultimately do not really feed us. Pay attention to the ultimate reality, the everlasting love, the transformation that can happen in us, in our world. And if we follow Jesus more closely, I think we'll take the paths of wisdom in that direction and do more than we could ever imagine before. And I think I'll end with this. I've seen so much of that in this church recently. I've seen people's a renewed rally of energy. Um, it was amazing how we came together on Christmas Eve. It's amazing how we're coming together to get ready for next week. And it's amazing the things that we can do together as followers of Jesus when we open ourselves beyond the limitations of what we can see now. So let's go to the mountaintop. Let's see more. Let's do more. And let's be more.